The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Friday, January 13th. There's a common saying among folks who work in crypto, and by that I mean there's a common saying on my team, that a week often feels like a year in this asset class. And as we wrap up the second week of 2023, sometimes we really feel like it might actually be a week can feel like a decade. So what are some of the things that happened this week? Well, we saw more evidence of the distress facing crypto. There is an emerging fight, and a pretty ugly emerging fight, between Gemini, which is a crypto exchange that's owned by the Winklevoss twins, and a company called Genesis, which was one of the biggest crypto lenders in the world. We also had some updates as it relates to FTX, including, confusingly or not, why Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen, and Bob Kraft, their names are popping up in bankruptcy filing statements coming out from FTX. And of course, this week we will be tackling some of the biggest questions that you had for us. So thank you to everybody who sent in questions for our 2023 survey. Joining me to help answer those questions today will be Dave Litka, Senior Editor at Bloomberg. Everybody talks about it, whether you're covering the bond market Mm -hmm. or the stock market. There's always some talk about what the influence of crypto is on any given day. Dave, welcome back to the podcast. Another week in crypto. Some stuff has been happening as usual. I have to admit, I was not expecting to start the week with Tom Brady so much. Why are we talking about Tom Brady in this context? What happened this week? Well, besides the football playoffs, it's also (laughs) uh, FTX uh, reckoning time for those who decided to jump on board. And in this case, through Tom Brady as advertising and spokespersons. And it's an interesting, we got an insight into what they actually received, what was equity in FTX and how the various stakes were handed out, whether it was him, his former wife, or his former boss, uh, Bob Kraft, who still owns the New England Patriots. So this is the sort of difference between folks who had like money on the FTX platform, and then folks like the celebs that you mentioned, Giselle, Tom Brady, Bob Kraft, who were investors in FTX. Is that correct? Sure. You could almost use the analogy like since they are celebrities of uh, movie actors, when they get a stake in the movie, mm-hmm. um, the smart ones, instead of getting a straight salary, will take a percentage of the movie. And if it does well, you're going to do very well. Right. But there are other exchanges that are, I mean, I think the word troubled is fair fair to apply. And one of them has, I would say, like reasonably well-known co-founders as well, the, the Winklevoss twins. Sure. Uh, it's been a fascinating story. They've been caught up in the broader implosion of the market going back to the springtime. 
And basically, they used their exchange to let customers put a money in a product that's called Earn that was mm-hmm. really more of a pass-through device on their platform that went into Genesis, which was one of the biggest lenders, if not the biggest lender in the crypto market before it imploded. And now their customers are about a billion dollars um, out of luck. Over, you know, the holiday period at the end of 2022, we asked folks to send in what some of their burning questions were about crypto. I wanted to start with someone who acknowledged, I'll use the quote, that for somebody who came into crypto with a lot of enthusiasm and maybe a bit of a starry-eyed approach, it was pretty heartbreaking for them in 2022 just looking at the direction of prices, right? Where it was at the end of 2021, you had these all-time highs. Going into 2022, you still had a lot of enthusiasm. The end of 2022, you're like, eh, not so good. What would you tell this person about, you know, what to expect next in the depths of this crypto winter that we're in? Sure, but they have to kind of figure out why they're there first. If you believe the argument that this is the cutting edge of money, you can ride it out, or you're there to make money quickly. And it really comes down to that. And if people in the industry will take the former and say, we're here to build, you hear that a lot, becomes a catch it's time frame. to build. Yes. But it's been building with other people's money for the most part. And, and honestly, speculation has been the number one use case since mm-hmm. the beginning. Our colleagues on Bloomberg Intelligence, which is sort of our in-house research service, you know, did um, some analysis where they found that the use of Bitcoin, specifically Bitcoin, as a means of exchange, like for transactions, hit almost record lows in 2022. So to your point, so much of the utility that people were getting was mostly speculation, frankly. True. And it questions the original argument for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. If you're going to be a currency, you have to be a means of exchange. Mm -hmm. And it really hasn't been. It's been a means of speculation. And this is something that the industry still struggles with more than a dozen years later. But there are absolutely still, you know, the kind of the original diehards who have a much more philosophical take on the utility of Bitcoin specifically, and for some of them, crypto more broadly. What is that like? And how are those folks reacting to the current crisis? Sure. Well, the the, the core group goes back to the post-financial crisis of 2008. And you had a libertarian undercurrent where government basically does no good, stay out of our way, and we can go independent, we can do this better. That had been a major selling point for crypto and still is since the beginning and it, since the, the various crashes in this one, the what they call the maxis, uh, the maximalists are now pointing, this is what it should be on it. It shouldn't be about this. We told you back then, stay away because they basically blame a lot of it on government spending, mm-hmm. change the Fed, that type of thing. We'll be right back to answer the questions sent in by you, our listeners. And you'll hear more from Bloomberg Senior Editor Dave Litka. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more 
at cutereconomicforum.com. Another thing we fully expect, and we're all frankly already seeing in 2023, is even more regulatory scrutiny than was the case last year. And I think one of the things that's been interesting so far is some of it has been aimed at non-crypto native financial institutions who have been playing in crypto or who want to play in crypto. This is especially timely when you look at circumstances like what happened to Silvergate. Exactly. Silvergate, great example. It's a uh, regulated bank that basically had a bank run and they were able to tap into the traditional federal government system, Mm -hmm. this time the, the home loan bank system, and borrow money from them. And this time it's a tune of over $4 billion. That is a lot of money on it. And the amount of banks that have been involved in crypto are very limited. You can count them on your hand, at least U.S. banks. One of the other trends that we may or may not see, this is one of those too soon to tell questions, is what it means for kind of global coordination. The holy grail for a lot of folks when they think about crypto regulation is you could set up in any country and you would have the same things apply to you if you're a crypto exchange or you're a crypto customer. Our colleagues on regulation tell us that that doesn't seem to be in the cards. Have you, in your sort of history of covering financial markets, ever seen coordinated global financial regulation for like anything really? Oh, sure. I mean, you could point back to the post-global financial crisis example. And you still see it. I mean, you could see central banks mm-hmm. move lockstep in interest rates and things like that. But in terms of regulatory oversight on markets like this, I would expect more to be in unison just because of the nature of this market being so fluid, mm-hmm. all the regulatory arbitrage that has gone on over the years on it, basically firms bouncing from one island to another wherever they get the most advantageous um, help. And some of the, you can actually look in the the examples of the relationship right now between the U.S. and the Bahamas and dealing with um, FTX. Bahamas were very pro-crypto from a very economic uh, development perspective. It seemed like a good thing on it. And some of those uh, moves appear to maybe coming back to bite them a little bit. And there's been a lot of tension between regulators in the U.S. and uh, in the Bahamas. And it was actually a big deal a couple of weeks ago when the Bahamian regulators came to an agreement with, you know, the U.S.-based liquidators unwinding FTX over here. And they were like, "Okay, fine. (laughs) Like, we agree that what we're trying to do is make the creditors to FTX as whole as possible. And we don't want to get caught up in a jurisdictional fight. But, you know, to your point, the financial crisis was a huge event. It had absolutely global consequences and reverberations. And there were very real fears that potentially hundreds of millions of people around the world could be seriously negatively affected. One of the challenges facing the momentum for regulation of crypto at a global scale is we cover it all day long. But the, as you say, like the number of people and entities involved is like relatively small compared to people who are, say, exposed to the stock market. Exactly. But it's become so prominent in ourselves, the media, and just the general markets in general. I mean, everybody talks about it, whether you're covering the bond market mm-hmm. or the stock market. There's always some talk about what the influence of crypto is on any given day. And just as a kind of a final closing point to that note on influence, certainly one of the things that we started seeing in 21, but especially in 2022, was 
kind of the crossover with crypto and other industries, right? So like non-fungible tokens and art or crypto mining, Bitcoin mining and environmental considerations or energy considerations. Are there any like emerging trends or themes that we're seeing where it's like, oh, tech companies are really paying attention over here or financial services firms are trying to figure out if they should do crypto mortgages, like those sorts of intersections in 2023. Anything you've seen so far that's interesting? Yeah, they've been percolating for a while, but I still think it's going to be the, the, the biggest area to watch, in my opinion, is going to be what the mainstream banks do, mm-hmm. the Wall Street firms. They're very good at compartmentalizing businesses on it. And uh, we live in a world really where money is electronic. And if some of the guiding principles of kind of removing some of the friction and speeding up the guardrails, they see that as a benefit on us. I think they're the ones that aren't going to walk away. You may see the trading outfits pull back, Mm -hmm. uh, whether they're associated proprietary shops or things like that. But um, I I think they're still going to be guys in the back room working on this. Money will be made somewhere or another. Thank you, Dave. Pleasure having you on the show. That's great. Happy New Year. That was Bloomberg Senior Editor Dave Litka. You can find more of Dave's work on the Bloomberg Terminal or on Bloomberg.com. And once again, thanks to everyone who submitted questions and participated in our survey. We always welcome your input and feel free to email us anytime at crypto at Bloomberg.net. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undum. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. Have a great weekend. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.